Good morning, podcast. Welcome to the PIT Lambert Show. You made it to 2019. Congratulations. Ah, oh, man, I really want to wish you a happy new year. I hope 2019 will be the best year for you, that all your projects are going to go through, but mainly that you will find happiness and keep your health at the top. So, today is a very special episode. It's the first of the year, and I have with me Cody Blue. Cody Blue is a filmmaker back in Lake Tahoe. He went from Nevada, where he lived his whole life, to Lake Tahoe in the mountains, completely different environment, fell in love with the ski, with the mountain, and started shooting for ski resorts. So we're going to be talking a lot about how he got started, why you should be working for free, why it's co it could be a great idea, and there's going to be a bunch of other questions that, that you guys ask on Instagram. For example, is Sony weatherproofing a good thing or not? Is it like worth it? How you should reach out to brands? Also, what happened during his Arctic expedition? And also the places that inspire us the most to shoot. So we're going to be covering a bunch of topics that I think will be super insightful for you guys. And if you want a little bit of context on Cody, Please check him out on Instagram, it's CodyBlue underscore, so C-O-D-Y-B-L-U-E underscore on Instagram and on YouTube you can find him at CodyBlue. So with no further ado, let's get right into it. Welcome to the podcast, Cody. Hey, thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. You're welcome. Cody, you've been recommended by Sydney to join this podcast. So I don't know what you and Sydney did in Arctic, but you got to let us know. What happened over there? Cool. So yeah, Sydney, uh, well, first off, I've known about Sydney for a really long time, but have never actually met him until we went on this trip to the Arctic. We were actually invited by Mazda, the car company, invited us to basically go on this trip to the Arctic where they told us we'd be driving a lot and you know, we'd be testing out their new line of vehicles and different things like that. So wasn't entirely sure what to expect, but it turned out to be probably one of the best trips that I've ever been on. You know, oh, I got wow. to meet a lot. Of, I got to meet a lot of really cool people, and of course, Sydney was there. But we ended up driving for like over forty hours all the way to the Arctic Ocean and these new Mazas. It was a pretty epic trip, and I actually just put a video out about it here uh, not too long ago. Oh, that's awesome! I haven't watched it yet. Uh, if I'm very honest, I have a list of maybe yours. Uh, Sydney's, there's Peter McKinnon's new video, and there are like two other creators' videos that I've put on the list down to watch and still just haven't had time. <laughs> so, Cody, you ended up in the Arctic, but I think everyone now is wondering how does one end up driving 40 hours into the Arctic? What led you to actually work with Mada? Who are you? What are you doing? Where did you start? <laughs> Tell us everything. Wow. Okay. So yeah, my name is Cody Blue, obviously. Um, I'm a YouTuber and I shoot videos professionally, mostly like outdoors and like action sports type videos. Um, but I actually got started like, it's kind of really weird. I never really did the YouTube thing or anything like that. I was just making videos for fun. And then somewhere along the lines, I sent a video actually to Maddie Hapuja, who people might know from Travel Feels. Oh, yeah. And yeah. And he, you know, he kind of gave me a little bit of a shout out on his channel. And that's kind of where the whole YouTube thing started, you know, started rolling for me. He gave me that shout out. So I figured like, maybe I'll start teaching video on YouTube and see what happens, you know? So I never, never really intended on, you know, doing this whole YouTube thing. And it kind of just snowballed from there. I, I think I, I got like 60,000 subscribers in like a year and a half. And I've just been, you know, making videos and trying to teach people how to, how to do what I'm able to do. You know, I shoot ski and snowboard videos professionally and I never really 
wanted to be a YouTuber, never wanted to, you know, I didn't want to do tutorials or anything like that. I just shot videos because I thought it was fun. But like I said, so I got a little bit of a shout out from Maddie from Travel Fields and that, you know, really helped my channel start to grow. And I figured like, you know, maybe I should do something with this traffic that's coming to my channel. So I did my first tutorial. It was like a color grading tutorial. It was very awkward. You could tell. And it, you know, from there, it just continued to grow. I figured I'll just try to do a video every single week for as long as I can. And that was about a year and a half ago. And now we're sitting pretty close to 62,000 subscribers. So it kind of just happened for me. And, you know, I, I wouldn't have it any other way. That's an awesome adventure. And I, I'm kind of curious. So did you shoot professionally video before or, or, or did you have like a deep passion into that? And then YouTube happened and then it got you to get awesome jobs with like local companies or how did it work? Right. So I started shooting videos and I was just doing it for fun. You know, I used to, I grew up like skateboarding. So I always wanted to shoot skateboard videos. So I started out, you know, I had one of those cameras where you literally had to put a tape in it. I'm pretty sure it was made by JVC. And that's kind of where I just like started to make videos just for fun. And then GoPros came out and that's when I, you know, really got into it. because that was right up my alley with the action sports and skateboarding and snowboarding. So I started watching all these GoPro guys making these really incredible videos. And, you know, I just wanted to make cool videos like them. I just wanted to go out with my friends, ski, snowboard and shoot videos. And then, you know, I never really cared or wanted to make money from videos. Um, I just wanted to do it for fun, kind of as like a hobby. And then I did realize, you know, that maybe there was some money to be made. So uh, around my neighborhood, I grew up in Phoenix and I would just see these small businesses. For example, one of the businesses that I ever did my first client video for was a bubble soccer company. I don't know if you've ever seen what is the that? bubble soccer. It's like you get in these crazy, like blow up bubbles and play soccer basically. And you like crash into each other and it's, it's pretty crazy. It looked like a super fun sport. So I saw these guys just out there playing. I, I had no idea about the sport or anything. I just thought it looked cool. So I messaged the guy, I found the company online. I sent him an email and I basically said like, Hey, I shoot videos and what you guys are doing looks super cool. I was wondering if you would be interested in a video for your website. And he was totally down for it. And that's, you know, that's kind of how I got my first like paid client. It was literally just somebody I saw on the street. I decided to send him an email and you know, it, it worked out. And that was the first like paid gig that I actually did. And that's kind of when I realized like, huh, like I like shooting videos and you can make a little bit of money. Like, let's see where this thing goes, you know? That's awesome. We, I, I want to dig a little bit into that story. Let's recap. You basically reached out to that company out of the blue and asked them, do you want a video? And at that point, do you think I'm going to charge them? I'm going to do it for free. What was your mindset at that point? Um, I think I was hoping to make, you know, maybe a little bit of money or something. I think I, I totally lowballed this guy. I think he ended up paying me like a hundred dollars or something. Um, but yeah, I just wanted to see like if, if it was viable, like if somebody would pay me to make videos and yeah, so I just reached out and pretty much was like, Hey, you know, I shoot videos. I kind of sent him my YouTube channel. Like, here's some of the stuff we can do. I actually sent him somebody else's video and was like, Hey, I would like to make a video that looks kind of like this for you. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, had no, I didn't have a portfolio. I had no clients or anything. I just, you know, I found a cool video that was actually of a different bubble soccer company. And I sent it to him. I was like, Hey, you know, I'm really interested in trying to do something like this for you guys. Would you be interested in that? And yeah, he came back and he was super stoked about it. He didn't have any videos or anything on his website. And I was like, Oh, you know, I'll do it for a hundred bucks. And he, you know, it worked out. And that was like the first like client video that I ever did. That is so cool. 
and I think for anyone listening, guys, don't be afraid to be doing it free or even for $100 if it's your first gig. It doesn't really matter. Like, they should almost be paying you to be, a, to be able to, to use their name after if you do a job in a way because your, your first trial is, I mean, is never the best one, first of all. And it's usually a bit awkward. You're not 100% sure what you do. Uh, so uh, don't be afraid. I know a lot of people say don't do free work or don't do like lowball paid work, but no professional would compete with you anyway because you're in a category which is I'm always I'm just doing it for experience right now. And and then I'm going to charge a lot more later. Uh, that, that's a quick tip uh, I, I give to people. Cody, you might you might be able to say the same thing. Right. Yeah, I think I don't think there's anything wrong with doing stuff for free. Um, I did a lot of like ski and snowboard stuff for free because that's what I really wanted to shoot. So I try to tell people like, if there's something that you really want to shoot, like do that stuff for free to build up your portfolio and then maybe do some of the stuff that you don't really want to be shooting. You can, you know, start charging for that stuff. Obviously it's going to be really hard to charge for things right out of the gate. You need to have some videos. You need to shoot a couple of things for free just to have stuff to show people. Yeah, I think it's very important what you say. You you need that portfolio, really being able to showcase to potential clients uh, what you are able to create as a as an artist. You know, I mean, they won't hire you just based on, oh, I think I can do that. Oh, okay, great. Well, what have you done in the past? You know, that justifies me giving you a thousand dollars, for example. <laughs> right. Exactly. Yeah, I, I totally agree, and that's kind of how more onto like how I got my start is you know, I was shooting snowboard videos and stuff with my friends for free. And then I actually took that material to a ski resort and said like, Hey, these are the videos that I'm shooting. And, you know, I applied for a position in their marketing department. And that was pretty much my entire resume. It was just these videos that I had shot with my friends that were, were you know, totally for free. Nobody paid me for them. And I just showed them my YouTube channel. And I was like, Hey, this, these are the videos that I can make. Like, do you guys want to hire me? And that's kind of how I got into you know, shooting for ski resorts and shooting for things like that as I just was doing it for free with my friends. That's so cool. So you work with the ski resorts. Uh, what kind of content do they want? Usually short video, long video, photos? Or... So we do a little bit of all of it. Uh, majority is short, like social media videos. So pretty much under 60 seconds because that's the longest that you can put on Instagram. Yeah. Um, so we'll go up. A lot of it is same day material. So we'll go up early in the morning. We'll shoot our stuff and then we're going to come back and edit that video and it's done by the end of the day. So it's very short form, but it's very, you know, we have to get that stuff out quick because if it snows today, we want to show people that it snowed today. We don't want to show them in a week, you know? Oh, that's great. So, and, and, uh, sorry, I'm cutting you, but I think it has a lot of impact also. Those smaller videos have almost more impact than the bigger ones. Um, just because you, you can pump them out really quickly and everyday people might be seeing something new. Uh, so right, do, exactly. do you do you still work full-time there or how does that work um so i am i full-time freelance basically full-time so i work freelance. i have a couple of different clients and then youtube is you know part of that but yes yeah, so i still we do about one video a week for those guys as well as a couple of different clients and things like that as well as a week as well as a video every single week on youtube as well oh uh, that's cool and um the ski resorts are they by lake tau i don't know too much the area and at all yeah, so um, I actually live on a mountain, which is nice. pretty cool. But I'm I'm like two minutes from one of the ski resorts that I work for. So they're a local resort here in Tahoe. We have probably 
like over 10 resorts within like an hour of me. So I work for two of the bigger ones. Um, they're actually owned by a company called Vale Resorts. So if anybody skis, you guys probably know Vale Resorts. But yeah, so they're just uh, two of the resorts under that Vale Resorts family. Oh, that's so cool. Okay, I get it. So, oh, interesting, interesting. So it's really nice because it's like your your workplace is the mountain and it's just two minutes from your from your home. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty nice. And I, you know, I get to go and shoot videos for work, so I can't complain. Yeah, that's what I was about to say. <laughs> I'm like, you're, you're mixing both in a very good way. That's pretty cool. Right, living the dream, for sure. Living the dream. So how did, uh, how did you end up in the Arctic? What happened? I, I'm, I'm curious. Did you one day receive an email like you had the little, you know, like in those movies where the phone is on the table and you hear beep, beep, and then you see, hey, Nasda, <laughs> hey, want to go to the Arctic? <laughs> Yeah, I mean, to be honest, that's pretty much exactly how it happened. I, it's They just found me from my YouTube channel and basically reached out and said, hey, we have this once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. We want to send you and a bunch of other people to the Arctic to basically create a couple videos and shoot some photos and different things like that. And of course, the first thing I'm thinking is like, this is spam. You know, you don't trust somebody that's like, hey, we're going to pay you to send you to the Arctic and all this crazy <laughs> stuff. I was like, yeah, okay, that's not really going to happen. But it turned out to be true. And um, yeah, it was it was an awesome experience. And they literally just like, they cold called me basically, just sent me an email like, hey, do you want to come? And I pretty much said, yeah. But the way it was actually kind of funny because they invited me and then they were kind of like, oh, you know what? We found somebody else. You're not going to get to go. And then what? like, yeah. So okay. <laughs> I totally forgot about it. And two weeks later, I get an email like, hey, we're going to the Arctic in two days. Do you still want to go? And I'm like, yeah, sure. I would love to go. So I, I had two days to like plan this entire trip to the Arctic where we're going to be driving. And, you know, I had to pack and all this crazy stuff. I didn't know what was going on, but I just figured like, sure, I'll clear my entire schedule for you guys. And hopefully it works out. Oh, my God. That's so funny. It's almost like um, you, you're about to get married and the girl is like, oh, you know what? I found someone else. Wait. <laughs> and then yeah. two days before, it's like, oh, no, actually he's gone. Do you still want to get married? <laughs> right, exactly. I'm like, well, I mean, I guess I got nothing else to do. I guess we can get married. Yeah, exactly. I mean, in that case, it's like 100% benefits for you. So it doesn't matter. Right, exactly. Yeah, I figured I might as well. Oh, that's, that's such a unique experience. And what was your highlight? What, what do you think you enjoyed the most during that trip? Ooh, uh, I mean, there was a lot of good stuff. So probably if I had to pick one, I think the people that were on that trip were just incredible. I mean, like you said, Sydney was on the trip, but there was also a bunch of amazing photographers and vloggers and they had a whole film crew and all that stuff. So the people were really awesome. But as far as like the actual experience, um, we did get to see the Northern lights at like three in the morning. It was freezing cold, like minus 20 degrees Fahrenheit, but it was the most incredible thing I've ever seen in my entire life. I've got videos and photos and all that stuff, but seeing the Northern lights, I mean, I think not a lot of people get to do that. And some of the guys that I were with had seen them before and they said that that's the best that they have ever seen it either. So I think I lucked out and that was a really incredible experience. Wow, that's so cool. Like Northern Lights is one of the big bucket list items, I think, for any photographer or videographer uh, that loves nature. That's really yeah. awesome. Right, definitely. And we, we weren't sure, you know, if if we were going to get to see them or what the clouds were going to be like. And we were just, you know, watching, we had a Northern lights app and we we're just watching and watching and watching. And finally it looks like three o'clock in the morning, we're going to go out and see if we can get it. And it was phenomenal. So just a great experience. 
How did you shoot it? Like, what what kind of setting do you recommend if anyone's listening and and is going on a trip to see the Northern Night? Have you pinpointed something, whether it's for video or for photo? What do you suggest? Sure. Yeah. So I actually shot both. Um, we were fortunate that it was super bright outside. So for video, I actually got a regular video. It wasn't time lapse, but I did shoot it at ISO twenty thousand. Oh. So it was. It was a little bit noisy, but I was able to denoise it a little bit and make it good enough to be in my video. But for photos, I was actually talking to some of the photographers that were on the trip. And I was under the impression that, you know, you'd shoot it at like a 20 second exposure or 30 second exposure like you do the Milky Way. But apparently that's not true. They told me you should shoot it between like two and four seconds. And it turns out that they were totally right. So I shot it on a 24 millimeter F 1.4 at 1.4 at about three to four seconds. And the reason is because the Northern lights actually move quite a bit. So if your exposure is too long, they just turn into total mush and they're blurry and it doesn't look quite as good. Oh, cool. That's a great tip. Yeah. That's something I read once and I was like, <laughs> wait, no, the story is funny. It's like still in my old job as an engineer get sent out to Alberta in Canada during winter. I'm like, oh, amazing. I might see the Northern Lights. There are a bunch of awesome things to do around there. I, I start looking, looking on, online and I see Calgary photos. I see all that. What I did not realize is when I got there, it's actually a town called Edmonton and there's nothing else than people just do it, walking in oil and gas. It's flat, no mountains, barely any forest and uh no northern light but <laughs> i still had prepared before and i had checked online how can i actually shoot northern lights if i happen to see it and i remember what you're saying is that i was also very surprised that it's not long exposure it's actually pretty short because it it comes in and out right right exactly yeah and so i didn't realize that either i would have if i was out there by myself i would have shot it at 20 seconds wondering why it's not working yeah but Yeah, because they actually, you know, they come in and out, they get brighter and, you know, darker, and they're actually moving in the sky. You want to do a shorter exposure so that you can, you know, kind of freeze them a little bit instead of, you know, when you use a long, a really long exposure, it's going to capture all that motion and it's just going to turn, you know, blurry like mush. So, yeah, it turned out two to four seconds is, seems to be the sweet spot, depending on, you know, your aperture and things like that as well. Yeah, that's pretty good. And uh, uh, were you shooting on an A7S II or what? Because the 20,000 ISO on videos seems pretty crazy. Um, I'm shooting on the A7 III. So I'm sure everybody knows the A7 III. Yeah. But yeah, so I'm shooting at F1.4 at ISO 20,000. So it wasn't... It, It wasn't that bright. So I did have to crank that ISO pretty high to get it done. But I shoot I shoot pretty comfortably at ISO 10,000 on the A7 III. I think it oh, does wow. a pretty good job. Nice. And then, you know, I'll run it through neat video or something like that just to denoise it a little bit. Oh, that's pretty cool. I just got an A7 III. Um, and I'm supposed to have it for like two weeks only because awesome camera. I have the A7R III and it's going again for repair. So... Mm. Well, it's funny. I actually got my A7 III just back from repair as well. So, What was the problem? Um, for me, so obviously I shoot video. For me, the HDMI port was just a little bit loose. So like I would have to kind of hold it or like put a rubber band or something crazy on it to get my monitor to stay on. Otherwise, it would be off and on and off and on a bunch. So I just sent it in to you know, get that HDMI repaired. But they fixed it. Everything's working great. So I'm happy. Oh, cool. Did you try their little cage thing? Like, I don't know what you call it, but they have a, that little piece of plastic. 
So guys, if you ever <laughs> receive a Sony a7 III, a7 III, and there are a bunch of plastic parts that look like nothing, almost no instruction, and you think it's an error in your box, this is not a mistake. It is supposed to be a cage for when you plug cable. Cody, did you try that? Right. So it's funny you mentioned that, actually. I don't know. Maybe your A7 III came with one of those. But my A7 III didn't come with one of those. The The service guy actually told me there should be one in your box. And oh. I you know, checked and there was nothing in there. And then so I'm like, OK, maybe it's just me. I went on YouTube and I watched a couple of unboxings of other people opening their A7 III's. And I didn't see one in anybody else's box either. So I, I don't know if it comes with only the R3 or if it's supposed to come with the A7 III. Mine didn't come with one, but the service guy did send me one. And I've been using it ever since. It actually works really well. You just kind of, you screw it onto your, you know, where your cable's plugged in. And then you plug in your cable and then you tighten it down so that if your cable does, you know, yank or anything, it keeps it from pulling on that port. Got it. I will try because <laughs> I, I hate revealing that, but I still haven't figured out how to <laughs> put it correctly on the camera. I don't uh, know I, why I, it feels I, super weird. I had to watch a YouTube tutorial to figure out how to put it on. <laughs> <laughs> okay. 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 Then that, that makes total sense. Uh, yeah, I will try that because my problem is the second time it's a microphone jack just goes i don't know the first time it was after three weeks microphone jack starts stopping record microphone jack stops recording from one channel meaning i only have channel two suddenly I'm like oh god what is happening and that was three weeks after i got the camera so i was in thailand and we're going to uh indonesia after or japan and i was like there is no way i can get that repaired until i come back to the us which might be this summer and i had still like five months so what I did, a uh, quick hack, if that happens to anyone or to you, Cody, uh, just shoot your footage normally and then turn your footage in dual mono and cut out the channel that did not record. And that works. Mm -hmm. But it will make That's it sound a little bit different. Um, it's, it's a, and you lose stereo if you have any, you know. Um, so it, it sounds different, but it totally uh, saved me. So I sent it out in July, and then I was calling them every day to make sure they send it back to me quickly. And, <laughs> and then I got it back. It worked for about two months, and, and then it's uh, three months, uh, and then it stopped again. So I finally got back to the States, and I sent it back to them. And I got Sony, thankfully, to send me a repair, uh, not a repair, but a loaner in the meantime. Uh, which is something mm -hmm. rare, but I really told them, like, it's not normal. I, your camera is $3,000. Second time in, in six months, I sent it to you. Um, yeah. So they were a little bit understanding also. Right. Yeah, it seems, I mean, they've, they were pretty understanding with me as well. So, I mean, unfortunately, you know, a brand new camera, something like that happens. But at least Sony's been taking care of us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yes, it's true. It's true. I think... I don't know what you think about Sony. I mean, I've been with the older brands like Nikon and Canon. I think Sony has done a great job at invading the market. Uh, and now they're trying to ramp up the support and everything behind. Because obviously Canon and Nikon are really strong on support. But uh, Sony, it took them a little while, but they're getting there, I feel. Yeah, I agree. I, I think they kind of, maybe they grew a little bit quicker than expected. I think they're like the, the number one selling full frame mirrorless. I could be wrong. Yeah, no, you're right. True. You're right. They took over the market. <laughs> yeah, and then so yeah, I think they're just trying to catch up on the back end a little bit. Oh yeah, I'm sure. Um, Cody, I've got a few questions from the audience that I think you can help me answer too. And first of all, while we're talking about Sony, 
the question comes from uh, Gianluca on Instagram. His question is, do you have any Sony weather sealing problems? How do you feel about that? Have you been in the snow, in the rain? Uh, have you had any issue? Right. Okay. So, yeah, like I said, I pretty much, I shoot in the snow and, you know, bad weather all the time. And I have never had a single issue. So I'm shooting on the Sony 24 to 105 F4, as well as the Sigma 24 millimeter F1.4. And like I said, the Sony a7 III. And I just let it get rained on. People ask me all the time, like, hey, do you cover it with like a plastic bag or anything? And I like, I just let it go. And I try to, you know, dry it after the day is over. But I haven't had any issues whatsoever with mine. Wait, when you say you let it rain, <laughs> rain on, uh, how much water are we talking about? Like, you have a few drops at the top or it's like kind of soaking right uh so well it's mainly snow occasionally it'll be raining but i've had my camera pretty soaked before i mean obviously i'm not gonna say like go you know drop your camera in the lake because that's <laughs> not gonna work <laughs> out for it's you. just them yeah right but um i i'm not worried if it's snowing a little bit or something like that you know i, tr I try to keep it dry i try to cover it in between shots and stuff like that but you know, if it's going to get a little bit wet to get a good shot, then I'm just going to go for it. Okay. Makes sense. I'm, I'm super afraid of it. I'm like very afraid of rain on my camera. It's kind of weird. So I always put a scarf or something on top of it, but it's something that I feel is really problematic. Uh, I don't know why I'm afraid it goes be between the flange and, uh, and the, you know, on the flange it, it goes through and then it just hits some kind of, uh, that's my nightmare is like turning it on and having that stupid error message <laughs> yeah it's, I, it's definitely scary i mean i don't like it i don't embrace it but if if it's you know if that's what i have to do um then then i'll go for it and of course all of my gear is insured if you're spending all this money on cameras and stuff you should probably have some insurance oh yeah okay <laughs> good good point insurance what do you use who do you use how much does that cost you um i think i go through like state farm so if you guys are in the united states you can check out state farm and i i think it's honestly like 20 bucks a month or something it's super cheap and it covers like twenty thousand dollars worth of my gear so that's you know that's going to cover my body or my lens or if anything like that happens so it's pretty cheap and i would highly recommend it it, it covers uh when you break it if you get stolen and what if you travel abroad um, you know, I don't know. I'm pretty sure it's, it's all inclusive. So if anything happens, like if I drop it in a lake, it's covered. Um, okay. but I'm sure traveling, traveling abroad is covered as well because I do have, um, my business policy, which covers all my travel and everything too. Oh, got it. Yeah. I'm super curious. I still don't have an insurance. Uh, that might be why you will find videos of me opening up a Sony 1635 GM on my channel to repair it. Uh, <laughs> um, but yeah, I need to, to get on to, on that. I had one with, the what do you call that with or apartment when we were in New York, it was actually covering all the gear that was in my house. Uh, and I would just list it down and then it would cover it. It was really cool. Right. So yeah, a lot of times if you have like a renter's policy or something, it'll cover that type of stuff as well. Yeah. It's really impressive. Uh, to be honest, they're like, no, just send me the invoices. I'm like, there's a lot of gear. They're like, yeah, it doesn't matter. And, I, and then right. I'm like, are you sure I'm covered when I travel? They're like, yeah, yeah. So I'm like, okay. But if you do it yeah. fully professionally, they're not going to cover you. So you, you have to, to be careful with that if you're traveling for work, for example. Um, 
That's that's a great answer. So it makes me feel better a little bit about my camera in the rain. Uh, snow, I'm not too worried because usually, unless it melts on the camera, I'm fine. Uh, but yeah, if you're worried about your camera, don't be too, too worried. But get an insurance <laughs> just in case. Right. Get your insurance, pay your $20 a month, and then you don't have to worry quite as much. Yes. Um, just quick note, that question was actually from Supernova and not Yanuka. Sorry, sorry guys, I mixed you up. Uh, <laughs> there was another question, where, one sec, I'm going to cut that. Oh yeah. So next question is from at Sudnanj on uh, Instagram, and he's asking, how do you reach out to brands when you don't know them? Hmm, well, I mean... I guess the the basic answer is send them an email. Um, that's it. That's pretty much that's it. Okay, yeah. next question. <laughs> <laughs> I think you're 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 right, and it goes back to what you were saying at the beginning of that episode. So I think that question has been answered kind of by you in a way. Uh, Cody, you want to add something to it? Um, you know, there's not a whole lot to add. I just think don't be afraid to reach out, like, especially via email, you don't even have to like face to face talk with these people. So send them an email, they say no, send the next person an email, you know, you can send there's no limit on how many emails you can send. So you might as well just email every single person that you're interested in working with. And somebody's gonna say yes, eventually. Yeah, it's like dating. No, I'm kidding. Uh <laughs> <laughs> right, exactly. Just every single girl you meet, just ask if they want to go out. <laughs> um just want to add something if you send out email to a lot of people make sure they're all personalized and you know what brand you want to work with and and you provide them personalized feedback on what you can provide for them especially uh because otherwise they, they must get a ton of emails and if they don't see any value in your email they're just gonna dump it out and cody how many emails do you receive per week asking you to review a tripod a filter or some weird stuff saying hi sir yeah. Hi, friend. They always say hi, friend. Um, a lot. I mean, probably as much as you get. And a lot of it's, you know, junk. But yeah. that's just how it goes. You got you to filter through the junk until you find some of the good stuff. Exactly. And the moment someone calls you out by your name, knows what your brand is about, knows what you're doing, that's when it makes a very big difference. Even if they're not interested, they will remember you. And maybe next campaign, they will use you or they will at least reach out to have, uh, to have some, some insight. On your pricing for right. example yeah i think that's you know that's a very wise thing to do is these companies that you you know you want to work for or work with um it's important to do your research you know all of these companies on their website they're going to have you know a media plan or a marketing plan or different goals that they're trying to achieve so do your research and then when you're sending that email explain to them how you can help them reach those goals because every company has specific goals and campaigns and different things that they're working on and if you show that you know what they're about they're going to be more likely to hire you versus somebody who's just sending a copy and paste email to everybody 100 percent, 100 percent. could you can we give a little uh word of advice to any company out there who keeps sending us emails that make no sense can we can we just <laughs> rant for like one minute about it yeah, I mean, yeah. It, well, what's funny is it's always, they always say like, hey, we just saw your video about whatever, which is like the most recent video that I've ever posted. Like they literally just went on to my YouTube channel, looked at my first video and said, hey, I really liked your last video. And that's pretty much it. So like you said, it's just not very personal. I think, for example, Mazda, they were very personal, very professional, laid everything out. They sent me, you know, a full PDF presentation and all kinds of stuff. And I just 
that makes so much difference. Instead of saying, you know, hi friend, obviously we're not friends. So <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And on top of that, I, I get the same email. Sometimes there is not even, uh, I saw your video. It's like, hi, uh, we have this, we want your viewers to see it. Uh, can you add it? I'm like, what? <laughs> I don't know how you do business, but you'd never enter a room and put a product in front of someone's face and be like, uh, put it in your shop. You know, it's like, right. what? Free. <laughs> doesn't make sense. Guys, be careful. Be personal. No matter what you do, always be personal. It's better to send out three targeted and personal emails versus a hundred. Right. Copy and pasting is not cool. Be personal. Yep. Yep um okay cody best place or most inspiring place for you and that question is finally from Gianluca. most inspiring place for me yep like travel wise or could be anything could be your your home or could be a volcano in the middle of indonesia where whatever okay well okay let's put it that way i know are you here uh, i lost you cody how about now yep you're back it's because it was 30 minutes my phone went to sleep again <laughs> <laughs> okay that's how long i can leave it okay um did you want to ask the question again or we just want to roll with no it? no i'm gonna cut and uh, put now okay so the most inspiring place for me i think is my home where i live um i grew up in the desert so i actually grew up in las vegas and then i moved to phoenix arizona and i was tired of it i wanted to live in the mountains so i moved somewhere beautiful which is beautiful lake tahoe and now pretty much everywhere i look everywhere i go there's always something to shoot always something to take a picture of and it's just beautiful and i really absolutely love where i live and i can go five minutes down the street and shoot an amazing video or an amazing photo and i just think there's nothing better than that so for me the most inspiring place is right here at home in lake tahoe california oh wow that's so cool that's that's actually a great answer i love hearing that that's my lifetime goal is to be able to say my home that's cool. yeah it's like it could yeah, yeah. just inspired me I'm going to find that place. <laughs> you know what? Just do it. Just if you want to go somewhere, live somewhere, just you just got to go because otherwise you never will. You'll get old and you'll have kids and you'll have all this stuff. You need to just go now. Yeah. I mean, we just finished the war tour with my wife. So right now we, we have to base ourselves a little bit here and she's happy to get back into a more normal activity also. Uh, I'm still traveling full time. So <laughs> it doesn't, right. doesn't really matter. Travel, uh, travel is great. Yeah. It's, I find so much pleasure, inspiration, and self-discovery also in travel. Um, but there is a very dangerous line where you get lost in travel. Right. Yeah. It can be that kind of that wanderlust spirit. You know, you have to, you, there's a balance. I mean, in, there, in life, there's got to be a balance to everything. So I like to spend time at home, but then I like to get away as well. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And it's good to have that time to actually put up like better pieces of content together, you know, like stronger stuff. Right. Exactly. That's cool. Just last question, Cody. Um, how, what backpack do you use? Which one do you recommend? Are you more suitcase backpack, like super light backpack? Tell me everything. Um, I use a, my favorite bag is probably the brevity rucksack. Um, they actually, I had never used a camera bag before. I was just, I was literally wrapping my camera in a t-shirt and throwing it in my backpack. Okay. And then I started, <laughs> then I started, uh, 
And then I started the whole YouTube thing. This company Brevity reached out, said, Hey, we got some pretty cool bags. We'd like to send you one. So of course I was like new into YouTube. I was like, yeah, sure. I'll take one of your bags. And now I've been using it for over a year and it's my favorite bag by far. It holds all my gear, all my lenses, my monitor. I put my gimbal on the bottom and it just takes care of everything. It's not too big or bulky. I can bring it on as a carry on, which is super nice. I don't have to check it. I don't like to check any of my camera gear or drones or anything. Never like that. check in your gear. Never, guys. Never. Give it to your oh. neighbor if you need to, even if it's a stranger, but never check it in. Right. Yeah. Never. Don't check it in. So I don't like to check my stuff. And the brevity just lets me hold all my stuff. I can put it up you know, as a carry on and I don't have to worry about it. So that's the bag that I'm using and the one that I pretty much recommend to everybody. Oh, that's cool. I'm going to check it out. I don't know at all what they look like. I use a yeah. F-stub backpack right now. I've had it for two years, I think. Um, it's, it's really, really good. Um, but I look more like I'm going to go hiking every day. People ask me what, what expedition I came out of and I was just coming out of a target the other day. Uh, <laughs> 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 and well i kind of like the feeling of thinking that my life is an expedition every day um oh yeah definitely yeah so brevity how do you write that b or g <laughs> b uh i think it's man b-r-e-v-i-t-e -E, i think sorry brevity if i spelled that wrong okay i'll check it out i have another one if you ever go like on long hikes or whatever check out atlas pack they're the guys who started it is a photographer and and their bags are really good and really thought out uh, for anything adventure or skiing, for example, et cetera. Really, really good. So the, you said it was Atlas? Yeah, Atlas. Like an Atlas. Okay, I'll have to check that out. Atlas yeah. pack. Uh, so you've got two actually in that adventure scene, Atlas pack, F-stop. I saw another one that kickstarted something not too long ago. I saw them at Photokina or another photo show the other day. Um, don't know how good it is. Haven't tried it, but uh, Atlas and F-stop, really good. I actually want to work with the, them next year. I think I should um, because yeah. they're just everywhere in my videos. Right. Yeah, that'd be awesome. <laughs> Everybody's heard of F-Stop, so. Yeah, yeah. Well, the company was kind of funny for a bit and then I think it and apparently it's doing a way better job right now. Perfect. I'll have to check those out. Yeah, because I'm... I, would, I could use something for, you know, those longer hikes. Yeah, even snowboarding, man. You want to be able to throw the bag in the snow and know that it's not never right. going to get wet. Definitely. That's cool. Uh, Cody, quick question for you now. Or no, actually, quick question from you to the audience. Do you have a question you want to ask them or do you want to leave them with a thought, with an idea, with a little something to do? Whew, uh, I, 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 well, okay, let's put it this way. A lot of people... Who, who ask me questions are always asking, you know, what camera should I get? What gear should I buy? All, all that different stuff. But the biggest one is probably what lens should I get? And I don't think anybody can answer that question for you. But I think when it comes to gear, get the best thing that you can afford. That's not going to put you into debt or anything like that. And just get out and shoot for fun. You know, that's yeah. that's kind of where all of this stem from. I mean, you probably started shooting photos. But you didn't buy a camera and decide to you're going to start making money right away. So do this for fun, you know, see if you like it and start investing in your gear and all of that different stuff. Yeah, that's a very good point. Uh, never buy your gear in depth. I mean, that would be the dumbest thing you can ever do. Just grind the gear you have and then make money with it and then buy new gear. <laughs> right, exactly. Yeah, I get, that's probably one of the biggest ones I get is like, hey, I just bought this camera. I'm going to start my video business. And I'm like, Ooh, well, have you ever shot? Have you ever shot with a camera? Like, so just do it have fun, enjoy the process, and then see, you know, see if you want to make money or if you just want to keep it as a hobby. Because once you start doing it for work, 
it becomes work. But if you keep it as a hobby, it's always going to be fun. You're always going to enjoy it. So you kind of have to, you know, have a little bit of a balance there. Yeah, that's a very big thing. Like, don't think turning your photography or your videography into a job is a cool thing. I think having like, for example, if, if you have a, a good paying job and you're doing that for passion, it is the most important thing ever because you're going to have fun all the time. You're never going to think about what, what a client might be thinking. You're not going to worry about business thing. You're just going to go on adventures for fun. And that is the best feeling ever. Definitely. Yeah. You, you need to find that thing that sticks with you. I was listening to somebody speak the other day and they were saying, you know, you try hundreds of different things, whether it's skateboarding and photography and painting and but they all they all kind of fall off you know but there's always that one that you always continue to do you've never stopped doing it i think that's the thing that you should really go for whether that's photography or filmmaking or drawing or architecture whatever it might be that one thing that you just always want to continue doing that's a very good one cody thanks a lot for those wise words i hope everyone will uh, will be able to get a little bit of insight and apply it to their own uh, life if they need to and i'm sure a lot of listeners have uh, their shit together but i know if they might be me a few years ago that can be very very helpful actually and uh, there is always i don't know about in your life but there is always some kind of thing that as you mentioned that you keep doing maybe you don't realize at some period and sometimes you're very passionate about it sometimes less but there are things that you keep doing throughout your life and those are the ones you should uh, really nurture in my opinion exactly yeah stick you know follow your passion that's what people always say but that's what it's all about exactly do what you love <laughs> all right cody exactly. um thanks a lot for taking the time to be on the podcast uh, where can people find you best online uh, YouTube is going to be the biggest one. If you just search Cody blue, it should be the first one that comes right up. Otherwise I'm also on Instagram at Cody blue underscore. Cool. Awesome. Thank you. Thanks a lot, Cody. I will talk Perfect. to you. Thanks so much, man. See you. Yeah. We'll see you soon. Bye. Thank you so much for listening. I really hope you have enjoyed that conversation with Cody. I had a blast discussing with him because there were a lot of things that I wanted to talk about. We kind of use the same gear, so it's always fun. And I can't wait to go back and shoot in the mountains. So that is really a great conversation and it really uh, made me want to go back and shoot in the snow. So if you've enjoyed the podcast so far, if I can ask you one single thing, please, for 2019, let's blow it up. Like share it with your friends send a screenshot of the podcast with the link to your friends make sure you tag me in your instagram stories and also leave a review in the itunes store because uh, i think it's apple podcast because it really really helps taking it to the next level and getting awesome guests more and more awesome guests on the podcast a little confession here the bigger the podcast is and for me the easier it is to get the guests i want so yeah I've heard a few requests from you guys of certain type of guests. And uh, well, if I'm very honest with you, they're very difficult to reach. So let's blow up the podcast and then it's going to be easier for me and for you to hear them. With that being said, I wish you the very best for 2019. Get out there, go crush it, uh, try something different, try something new. And I will talk to you in the next episode. See you guys. Bye.